0: So that brings us to a story which like I had forgotten about, but I feel like and it's not really brought up at all in Martin Borman Nazi in exile, which I don't know, it's potentially interesting. But it's, Yeah, and this
1: is probably like there is like a lot of stuff, like I would almost say that this is more definitely true than like Martin Bormann surviving the war. This to me seems like pretty plausible. Like just yeah. looking into it separately. Like I think that even Hitler's like nephew, the son of like Aloysius Hitler or something yeah. pretty much said like, yeah, we all knew, you know, about this stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah.
0: you just heard a second ago that Bormann's wife had studied at the feet of Julius Stryker, who, you know, was an enthusiastic Nazi who had been tried before for sadism and rape. And wouldn't you know that he is not the only sick, uh, sadistic sex pervert in the Nazi leadership, it turns out uh, the Fuhrer himself had a pretty bad scandal in 1931. And the person who was there, well, there's two people there that helped him clean it up. And one of them was Martin Bormann. But I'll just read the beginning of chapter four here because, I don't know, when they lay it out, the, the, it's amazing this doesn't get brought up, like, much more often. And I think it's, like, it's actually material to, like, Hitler's, if true, I feel like it's an important part of Hitler's psychology, To to keep in mind. Okay, so Stevenson writes, he asserts Bormann's power over Hitler began with the murder of Hitler's niece, Angela Jelly Raubel, who caters to Hitler's perverted sexual needs. She was still in her teens when her uncle first lay on his back and required her to crouch naked over his face and urinate on him. This activity spread into other forms of obscenity until the girl protested to friends, quote, He's a monster. Nobody can imagine the things he wants me to do. Drawings made by Hitler showed uh, Jelly quote, in positions and in detail which would not be allowed by a professional model, according to Ernst Hunstegel, the future foreign press chief. These drawings got into the hands of a Munich dealer who sold them to Bormann for money drawn from the Nazi party funds under Bormann's control. On the evening of September 18th, 1931, The noise of the Bavarian capital's Oktoberfest drowned a gunshot in the luxury apartment on Munich's Prinzregent Plaza, where Jelly lived on funds paid out of Nazi coffers by Bormann, who was already Hitler's personal paymaster. Among the investigators, called to the spot, was, who else? Heinrich Gestapo Mueller. then on the local detective squad. Mueller paid the minimum regular contribution to one of Bormann's devices for raising money, but he was otherwise unwilling in those days to stick out his neck for the Nazis. He was ambitious, however, quote, "...bent on recognition from his superiors under any system," to quote from the political appreciation of senior criminal inspector Heinrich Mueller in the Munich-Upper-Bavarian Gau files of the period. Mueller found the girl lying dead beside what turned out to be Hitler's revolver. Her naked body was bruised and her nose had been broken. What happened next has been described by Gerhard Rosbach. He told me in his Hamburg home 35 years later... That Bormann arrived at an understanding with Mueller, which resulted in the girl's body being shipped back to Vienna in a sealed lead coffin without further questions. Rossbeck, who was a Nazi intelligent agent in France and Turkey during World War II, was known to Western intelligence as an old man with a consp- considerable and reliable memory for detail. Until his death at the age of 74 in 1967, he was consulted regularly by the U.S. CIA and historians— his account of Jelly's murder tallies in matters of detail with the recollections of Dr. Otto Strasser, who after having lost a power struggle with Hitler found refuge in Canada until the war was over. Humphstengel, another one of the few men who knew Hitler and Jelly well in those days, agreed that the girl was pregnant at the time of the murder. Quote, she could have not been put in the family way by Hitler said Strasser somewhat prudishly. He was not capable of normal intercourse. Jelly was regarded as an oversexed and foolish girl who talked too much. She told Bridget Hitler, the wife of Adolf's half-brother Alois, that she was pregnant by a Jewish artist whom she wanted to marry, and apparently made the same statement to Hitler in a moment of alcoholic indiscretion during that Oktoberfest mood of mass hysteria. On the night of the murder, she seems to have told Hitler that she wanted to get away from him and return to Vienna. There must have been a fearsome quarrel because the contents of the apartment were scattered and broken. The news that his mistress had enjoyed normal sexual relations with a Jew undoubtedly struck at every vulnerable point in Hitler's makeup. He was a man easily made to feel sexually humiliated because of his own genital deformity. He lacked a left testicle, a condition known as monarchism, which led to feelings of inadequacy and those self-punishing encounters with women that characterized his sex life. He had also at this time chosen, as a major theme of the speeches that were winning him such ovations, the subhuman and corrupting nature of the Jews. The purity of the Aryan blood had to be protected against the syphilitic rottenness of inferior races. He regarded Jewishness as a disease, and his obsession with syphilis had first become evident in Mein Kampf. His mistress may have been taunting him without fully understanding the danger she was in. She must have known his fear of impotence, which later imposed upon his physician, Dr. Theodore Morell, the necessity of adding pulverized bull's testicles to the regular pharmacopoeia of dexedrine, perva- pervatin, cocaine, <laughs> prosamine, ultraceptile, and anti-gas pills per- poured down the Fuhrer's gullet. She had certainly shared in bizarre scenes like those described by the actress Rand Mueller to her film director, Zeitzler. She said, quote, I spent an evening at the chancellery and expected to go to bed with him, according to Zeisler's account given in Hollywood to OSS agents in 1941. We got undressed and then Hitler fell on the floor. He began screaming accusations against himself. He begged me to kick him. He made so much noise, I did kick him, hoping he'd quiet down. The more I kicked, the more excited he became. Uh, Rain committed suicide soon after and Zeisler fled uh, to the U.S., so, Jelly uh, apparently caused Hitler to fly into one of the rages that filled his associates with fear and later led to those acts of insanity performed on his behalf by Bormann an order to dispose of another 100,000 Jews, or a decision to fling whole armies into an obvious Russian trap at Stalingrad, or a request to bring the Duke of Windsor to chat about the monarchy. His career would have come to an abrupt halt if the case against him for the brutal killing of 24 year old Jelly had gone to trial. Heinrich Mueller would, have not ha- would not have risen to the dizzy height of Gestapo chief with the reign of general if he had not had the wit that night in September to scoop up the incriminating evidence in Jelly's flat. The letters which made it clear that she planned to leave Hitler, and that she had been having passionate and normal affairs with men he regarded as inferior, including his own chauffeur and bodyguard, Ernst Maurice, his personal revolver, which was demonstrably the murder weapon, intimate notes exchanged with the young Jewish artist, a reference in her diary to Hitler's godfather Prinz, quote, that Viennese Jew. Okay, and you know, they tack on something here that also I've heard before, but I didn't realize the intrigue went this deep. So they ask, was Hitler's godfather a Jew? The police dossier opened new avenues for speculation. Bormann took possession of all papers in the case, and after Inspector Mueller got his reward and became Gestapo chief, a series of special Gestapo reports on the family background revealed that Hitler's grandmother had been a servant in the household of Baron Rothschild, and that her illegitimate son, Alois, father of Adolf, was generally supposed to be the result of an alliance with one of the Jewish aristocracy— Certainly there was no disputing the fact that Aloys chose a Jewish godfather for his own son, this information proved dangerous to those who came into possession of it without Hitler's approval. But Bormann himself looked into the matter, and Mueller produced the Gestapo investigative reports dated 1935, 38, 41, 42, and 43 on Hitler's family history, like uh, just like the Mueller report. It got to the bottom of yeah, it. Right? The <laughs> yeah, the original Mueller report. The um, original Mueller report. Yeah. So I guess it. You know, it says that. Uh, it, and
1: it, nothing it, came of it. <laughs> nothing yeah, came yeah. of
0: it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Daddy. Our dear daddy Mueller uh, did the German resistance was
1: eagerly listening to their Mueller. She wrote podcasts and they're (laughs) like, we got him this time.
0: The the, the German liberals are are just like, yeah, Yeah. we got him. We got him guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, So, I mean, they say jelly may have known of Hitler's secret fears in this matter. And, um, uh, they, I guess he was one of their main confidants and that after she died, Bormann inherited that perilous role though if there were perils, there were also compensations. Bormann disposed of Jelly's corpse with crafty dispatch. She was declared a suicide in Munich. She was buried by a Catholic priest in Vienna. Suicide and consecrated ground are not usually compatible among Catholics, but Bormann probably stopped awkward questions with the same Nazi party funds with which he silenced Mueller and took over uh, the police files. And... Uh, Bormann swept the clean the area around Hitler's pedestal, or I guess in general, Bormann swept clean the area around Hitler's pedestal while preserving every scrap of dirt. Once the Munich police, through Mueller, had closed the records on Jelly's death, Mueller himself appeared to be in Bormann's pocket. All the subsequent investigations into Hitler's real family history, as opposed to the romanticized official version, were conducted by Mueller for Bormann. Most astonishing of all, Hitler's timid and hidden side, the second half of the split personality, knew about and secretly hungered after the Gestapo reports which followed the realization of his dreams, himself at the apex of the Third Reich and the Jews crushed beneath Germanic superiority. It was a strange obsession. Hitler had to know if there was Jewish blood in his veins, as if he carried a picture of the Judas in his soul who betrayed the Christ within him again and again. Hitler and most of the men around him were Catholics, and during the war, the Fuhrer received communion. When he first came to Berlin and saw its luxury, he said that he thought himself Jesus Christ driving the money changers from the temple. The persecuted Jews were to become the visible manifestation of Christ crucified. The murder of Jelly, now that it can be reconstructed, shows Bormann instinctively playing on Hitler's fear of the Jew as an image of his own darker self. The reality of his family background was forced on him by his niece. Jelly was the daughter of Hitler's half-sister, Angela Raupel. She had worked as housekeeper for a time in the Alpine farmhouse that became famous as Eagle's Nest. Jelly went to live with Hitler in the Munich flat, a safe 80 miles away from her mother. The girl chattered more than was good for her. She confronted Hitler with allegations about his grandmother, Maria Anna Schickelgruber, and the Rothschild affair. The tension she created apparently came to a boil during that 1931 Oktoberfest. There was, it seemed, a violent quarrel over Jelly's Jewish lover, in which she retaliated by demanding to know how Hitler could revile the very race of people whose blood he carried. She spat out the gossip, common in Vienna, that Austria's chancellor, Engelbert Dolphus, had ordered an investigation into the family's history. Sorry, I just love some of these German names. Engelbert Dolphus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The scene is not hard to visualize. We know now that Hitler suffered from masochistic and perverse tendencies that made him grovel at women's feet, eat dung, and drink urine. Wow. We know now that he made the Jew a symbol of everything he hated in himself. We have the evidence of other women. Unity Mitford, who tried suicide later... Uh, Rain Mueller who did kill herself that he begged to be punished and humiliated in the bedchamber and then exploded into super masculine outbursts quote brutality is respected the plain man in the street respects nothing but brutal strength and ruthlessness our people will be free when they learn to hate hate and hate again okay. He was when, topping
1: from the bottom. He's topping uh, from the bottom. Yeah, like was, talk
0: about pegging the – well, anyway. Yeah, he was um, – he, yeah, <laughs> uh, he wanted to peg the patriarchy. Yeah, um, he yeah, was the
1: patriarchy. So, he wanted – yeah, exactly. The, the patriarchy – that's what happens when you peg the patriarchy. You get Hitler. You get um, Hitler.
0: You get a Hitler. Um. So, yeah, you're right. It says right here that her brother, Jelly's brother Leo, accused Hitler of responsibility for the murder – But Leo Rabel was living at the time in Vienna, and he was never able to reopen the case. Nevertheless, he threatened so often to bring Hitler to justice that he died violently in the Balkans, where he was sent on military orders and where he was killed in 1942 in circumstances never explained. A son of Hitler's brother made the same accusation, but not the same mistake. William Patrick Hitler denounced Uncle Adolf from the safety of New York, to which he fled in 1939. The murdered girl's mother left Hitler's employ and married a Professor Hammich in Dresden, where years later she said that Martin Bormann extracted from her a promise never to discuss the drop charges against her half-brother. The whole family specialized in intermarriage, and Hitler's relatives may have preferred not to wash dirty linen in public anyways, especially since his relations with Jelly added incestuous undertones to an already squalid affair. Still, faint squeaks of disgust escape from the hitler Schickelgruber tribe from time to time. His full sister, Paula, changed her name to Frau Wolf and took a job addressing envelopes for an insurance company. After 1945, the Bavarian Free State confiscated Hitler's property and tried to return to Frau Wolf the contents of her late brother's pockets. She could not be traced, but in the attempt, a carbon copy was discovered of a deposition she had made to the Vienna Criminal Investigation Agency. Dated October 1931... It stated that her life was threatened by members of the German Gymnastica Association, which provided camouflage for young Nazis and future SS troops. The threat, she said, followed a comment she made that her brother Adolf was a murderer, but also mad and ought to be locked up. The original of this report had been removed. It quoted Hitler's sister as saying that Jelly would be alive still if someone had only warned the poor thing. And uh, I guess the daughter-in-law of Wagner warned her. (laughs) Wagner? Win- Win- Winifred Wagner. The composer. Yes. Oh, the composer. R- well, Richard. Wagner? Yeah. Richard. Wagner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. yeah Wagner is
1: like life. a consistent uh, theme in this. Like he apparently like Borman wasn't into Wagner. Really. Hitler didn't really get it either, but he like pretended that he was.
0: This is. Um, yeah. Remember when we talked about, you know, Dogman and stuff um, that like. So he was. There's suppo- lots of. werewolf wanted type Stuff
1: in here. There's an amazing Verwolf quote. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, like, like that we just incidentally did, I mentioned think, later Did in I that write book. it
0: down? That Was it a Goebbels quote?
1: I think it was a girl, Goebbels quote. Like, we kill, kill, kill like wolves or something like that. Yes, exactly. Uh, um, oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Goebbels gave speeches of incredible asininity. Quote We werewolves <laughs> we consider it our supreme duty to kill, to kill, and to kill, employing every cunning and while in the darkness of the night, crawling, groping through towns and villages like wolves, noiselessly, mysteriously. <laughs> awesome okay all right yeah but i guess wagner's daughter-in-law was expected to marry hitler after her husband died and so she had some you know dalliances with him and uh she said that uh, he wanted her and her three small children to call him Wolf, a name with which the entire Schickelgruber clan seems to have had a grim obsession. Winifred was a Yeah, that actually was Hitler. mentioned
1: in that like thing we found about Hitler's obsession with being Wolf, because it was like in some kind of weird novel, too, right? Where there's yeah, there was, some, was like, a badass dude named Wolf yeah
0: uh, yeah exactly yeah. they were all very obsessed with like literally and, and there was a folkloric kind of tradition of wolves uh that yeah it said the vogel fry legend that was kind of wrapped up uh connect that they sort of connected which meant bird free which uh was i guess uh derived from the medieval style courts of revenge that which declared that anyone found guilty became like a game bird during open season for hunters so I guess they adopted that. Anybody found guilty but not present at the ritual trial uh, became bird free and any member of the court could kill them without penalty. That was after World War I when the Freikorps, I think, uh, had done that. They also says that early Nazis revived the folklore and honored the composer of a ballad to the Werewolf, which in German mythology was protected by the devil and had the power of turning from man into wolf and back again. So they're like worshiping a devil wolf. Yeah. Going to become one.
1: Right. There is a Goebbels quote that was like, God's protection has like left the, you know, the country. Now we must like now Satan is in control. Yeah. Like, but it wasn't like, you know, oh, like, you know, the allies are winning. Like, I don't think that's what he meant. I think he meant like satan must like take command and like the werewolves must like go and be mysterious and, yeah like, we can't rely on kill. god anymore yeah like, exactly. god we don't
0: trust we we're pulling out satan folks we're yeah exactly him. Uh, yeah um yeah pretty much um yes yeah uh, so hitler your was an children. incestuous pedophile who murdered his niece and borman i mean it it it, it almost makes you kind of want to be like, okay, that's too neat of like a true crime, like backstory for like the real, you know, nature of like how Hitler, uh, but I mean, it goes deeper than that, obviously. I mean, like it sounds like he murdered his niece for, uh, it, that was wrapped, the murder of his niece was wrapped up in his psychological complex, which may, how crazy would it be if Hitler was in fact the illegitimate grandchild of, baron rothschild um
1: pretty like, what crazy. does
0: that even mean <laughs> you know
1: well there is a couple of different do they mean like you know the very prominent baron rothschild because there might be more than like one rothschild oh well, there's definitely
0: multiple ones but whoever the rothschild was that w- worked at the estate that I think yeah it was it might have been louis nathaniel de rothschild who was an austrian baron and, yeah
1: well i mean like that's the thing like with you know race like at the end of the day like it's not to say that it doesn't have real effects you know but it's like a social construct and like you can never like the nazi quest for like blood purity is like inherently insane Yeah, and you could never actually be like that pure and certainly like hitler wasn't pure like just from his physical appearance of like the characteristics that he like he he wasn't he's, like he's an not, not embodying
0: person, what he preached you know? and in fact a lot of them weren't like i mean i of you know. course
1: like it's literally impossible like there's no such person yes you know like no one has that like blood purity that they was their ideal so, like, at the end of the day, it ultimately is really a pathology that a lot of people had. Max Nordau, the inventor of the concept of degeneracy, he was, like, himself Jewish. Like, obviously, he had some stuff going on. Uh, uh, and St- I think...
0: Stephen Miller. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what's going on there. Uh,
1: well, I mean, I think if you if you look at, like, some of the early propaganda posters or just like you know political posters that like circulated in israel like post-world war ii the guy who's like going to like make the desert bloom and turn the the fields uh, of the desert lush and green you know the the sort of uh, representation of the israeli citizen he has blonde hair and blue eyes like he looks like a Nazi, you yes, know. Exactly, like, exactly, exactly. There's that self hatred and that like desire for self purification, like, yeah, is yeah. a deep seated thing that it manifests like in many ways. So, yeah, really, like a lot of the time, I feel like anti-Semitism in like the most extreme forms really does come down to. I mean, Jews always are like the internal enemy, uh, the the internal enemy. You know, they're never the Muslims. Uh there might be from outside but the jews are always the fifth column like within and it's also like on an individual level you know the corruption before we like move on from from this like uh there is like an interesting paragraph that actually does deal with the wagner thing that i mentioned like later on that jumped out at me reading this especially relative to the the variable thing winifred did make some mild observations however which seems to have been authenticated by many of by many independent sources she disliked for instance, the way Hitler responded to the, quote, musk ox figure of Bormann. Oh, yeah. She thought Hitler got pleasure from Bormann's undisguised sexuality. She had heard Hitler once call him Bubby, which was a term of affection used among homosexuals. She sensed a desperate battle between a soft and indecisive personality within Hitler and another force, like that of a beast, which responded to Bormann's oppressive and silent presence. But it was Friedeland who spoke openly of Hitler's love of pornography and other strange matters. Winifred can, cont- hey, look, if it's you know, that's fine. He needed Stop to release... the king's name yeah. Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> um, pornography is not strange. It is natural. anyway. Uh, Winifred contented herself with an occasional comment. In letters to her family in England, suggesting that Bormann was at least open in his disregard for Wagnerian music, whereas Hitler tries very hard to comprehend, so hard that sometimes I could wish he were, with regard to his equal ignorance, more frank. So you know he would be pretending to like get Wagner, but he wouldn't. And she wishes he was more like Bormann, who you know.
0: Yeah, that, that uh, is an interesting, also, like, the the hint of almost a, a kind of homoerotic charge between Bormann and Hitler. Yeah. That um, is, I mean, I don't think Stevenson that, goes as far as just to, like, say that's definitely what was going on. But he, he well, there, definitely it, says that he manipulated – Bormann manipulated Hitler's kind of sexual frustrations and channeled them towards political ends. And, like, he realized that if, if the Fuhrer was – satisfied sexually he couldn't give out and give those wild performances at his rallies like he needed to be as frustrated and like basically like like he was doing some kind of crazy edging thing with Hitler where like he he would like build up his sexual frustration and then unleash him on the crowd right yeah or I well mean,
1: just that Hitler was like very unstable mentally and he would like push his buttons to like get it. It him
0: almost to do what he sounds wanted. like a guy, was like that, that thing, sinister like music industry manager, like managing like a rock star and being like, All right, take your pill, like here's your breakfast, like take your yeah, pills. Like exactly. he's well, Swan in the background.
1: If he had any sexual satisfaction, according to Stevenson, then he was perceived to be less effective like as a speaker. Mm. So he needed to be like sexually tormented and like sexually frustrated and, and like repressed in order to perform. Uh, like as you know the like charismatic Führer. yeah allegedly. and and
0: also like like uh, achieve this kind of sexual connection like with the crowd that i think he compares literally to an orgy of like yeah this enthusiasm. is a great quote
1: from Hermann rauschning who like you know he was the person who wrote like hitler speaks or like conversations with hitler or whatever that mm-hmm. book is called And, like, you know, people are, like, not sure if, like, those conversations are real or anything. So, I mean, this guy, like, ultimately was a Nazi, but he did break off from Hitler, I guess. He said that uh, the whole atmosphere reeked of, quote, furtive unnatural sexuality, wrote Hermann Rauschening, uh, who later (laughs) broke with Hitler. Sereptitious relationships, substitutes and symbols, false sentiments and secret lusts. Nothing in Hitler's surroundings is natural. Nothing has the openness of natural instinct.
0: That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. With the guy who was so obsessed with like the natural race, or like whatever, yeah. like the natural order of things, and just get you well, know, just- you
1: know, there's nothing new under the sun. How many examples of that are out there? True, Uh, and
0: all these guys were like sexual freaks. Oh, this one other passage is is good, talking about Bormann's, like the sexuality of the rallies that Bormann was orchestrating. Um, Stevenson wrote, "...in speculating on how jelly might have redirected Hitler's spermal energies, we should not forget the state of mind then existing in millions of Germans. The vast stadiums were filled with crowds which came of their own volition. Hitler, according to his associates, spoke often of handling these crowds as though seducing a woman." The masses responded in a typically feminine way, he said, and they enjoyed what he was doing to them. They were not being raped. They were eager participants in orgies that happened to be on a scale larger than that familiar to a later generation in the form of mass gatherings of young people drugged in other ways. Uh, interesting uh, comparison there. Uh, the, pimp, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the pimp who didn't stood didn't really aloof. pick
1: up on that the first time through. <laughs> there I know, you go right? um, Yeah.
0: Uh, The pimp who stood aloof from Hitler, the drug pusher himself, was Bormann. He had the mind of the animal trainer who starves a beast before shoving it into the circus ring. (laughs) It's really (laughs) because you start to get an image of this guy, and he's really fucking weird. Yeah, I really
1: love. You know, uh, yeah, I do see why uh, you prefer Stevenson's book. Like, I would say that. Like, I don't really necessarily think. Yeah, I guess he is a little bit fairer to Russia in certain respects, but yeah, not only is it juice here, but like his prose is like very gripping and well, you know, it's very evocative, you know, some of the the phrases that he uses and and some of the quotes that he, he pulls out are great. Um like this passage is great in particular. Uh I also like just, you know, to hone in on one part of this like the fact that Hitler would feel like he needed to clarify that, like, they were not being raped. Like, imagine being like, listen, like, let me make it clear. Like, I'm not raping this crowd. They want it. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know like, if that was
0: Hitler's uh, clarification or the author's, but that would be funny if he was I mean, it, that.
1: like, that seems like a weird thing, like, you know... I mean, it says uh, uh, he spoke often of Hanley's cries as though seducing a woman.
0: Yeah. They responded in a
1: typically feminine way. He said, and they enjoyed what he was doing to them. They were not being raped. Oh, like, okay, it yeah. seems okay. like almost like he specified that.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. they wanted it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> <that>. like, <laughs> they. I mean, uh, uh, they or something
1: like maybe not in those exact words. Like they're not being raped, but, you know, still something very odd.
0: Yeah. You're just participating in a ritual. Yeah. And. Like the, the last thing, um, uh, before we go to break here is just talk, going back to, uh, Gruda, um, his wife and cause just lest you think that only Hitler was kind of a, a deranged sex freak, um, uh, Borman had a mistress, uh, who I guess was able to contribute a lot of, um, gave Western intelligence, uh a lot of information, but actually she vanished into communist East Germany after the war. And, uh, I guess told the Soviets lots of things. Um, so she said that, um, that she believed Bormann used a familiar trick of whispering gossip into Hitler's trusting ear so that he became suspicious of jelly. She thinks that he like Bormann, like, maneuvered them to have like whatever kind of a thing Uh, at the same time Bormann encouraged the girl to have other affairs and was a kind of liaison officer between jelly and her lover He was the confidant of both and he built up the misunderstandings and tensions that led to murder his control over Hitler increased twofold He had disposed of the girl who could pull some of the strings that made Hitler dance He had disposed of the evidence that Hitler shot the girl These were matters of which uh, Bormann's mistress had no direct knowledge. She was too young to have moved in early Nazi circles. She did have a strong memory of her conversations with Bormann, however, and it was unlikely she would have known details from any other source. Um, And let's see. uh, Let's see. Okay, so there's a little uh, thing here of the love letters written between Bormann and his wife. Um, During the night of uh, July 20th, 1965, She'd been working as an actress in East Germany and then slipped uh, into the Western zone with every intention of going back. She was an attractive middle-aged slender woman who had been allowed to live in the decent obscurity denied her by Mr. and Mrs. Borman. They had immortalized her in some of the strangest love letters known to literature. Her seduction was described by Borman in a letter to his wife. So this is Borman talking to his wife about his mistress quote, I kissed her without further ado and quite scorched her with my burning joy. I fell madly in love with her. I arranged it so I met her again many times, and then I took her in spite of her refusals. You know the strength of my will, against which M was, of course, unable to hold out for long. Now she is mine, and now, lucky fellow, now I am, or rather, I feel doubly and unbelievably happily married. What do you think, beloved, of your crazy fellow? Mrs. Borman replied at once, quote, I am so fond of M myself that I simply cannot be angry with you. She considered it a thousand pities that M should be denied children and Martin ought to be able to order the situation, quote, and see to it that one year M has a child and the next year I have a child. So you will always have a wife who is serviceable. Uh, okay. <laughs> um. So like uh, Martin Borman's wife had like a like an Uber mention, like kind of cuck fetish thing. What, what's the reverse of what? I guess it's still cuck, cuck fetish, queen? right? Yeah. Like a know. female yeah, I cuck someone- fetish. Like.
1: I think a female cuckold is a cuck queen.
0: Okay, right? well there you go. Okay, we're getting all the the kink terms out today, and she was uh, overjoyed, not just for kind of personal erotic, but also for ideological reasons that he that Martin Borman is running around having an affair with like a beautiful German actress, and that she I think multiple times said that she wanted to go on this like like one one year your mistress has a child and the next year I because she was so concerned about the breeding of subhuman races that she wanted to do whatever she could to pump out as many little Bormans and uh, I guess that never ended up really uh, coming to fruition but it just gives you a general idea into the vibe of these uh, people (laughs) and she like hated all religion like with a passion even though she converted to Catholicism like right after the war ended, uh, which I think Stevenson says is, uh, seems pretty disingenuous. Um, the whole family did. They all converted to Catholicism. Just a, a gang of sickos, I think we could say.
1: Yeah, I kind of almost feel bad for Martin Borman's wife because I almost feel like she couldn't really say anything else in that situation. Like, I don't know, like, who knows, like, what kind of like nightmare would have been to be Martin Borman's wife. But I mean, I'm sure she, she seemed to be pretty
0: down side. with it. Let's not assume that every, you know, wife was not down with what her husband was doing. I mean, She's down to the extent that she's like you're having an affair, that's great. Yeah, exactly. I love your I mistress. Mean, um, and also, yeah. like, get her pregnant. Get her pregnant. Like, you know, it's like, this is this is somebody who is, like, deeply invested in building their empire. Germany celebrates
1: May Day with the dictator making a triumphal drive through Berlin's sardine-packed streets. And it's a very tactless German, indeed, who doesn't switch his loudspeaker on. When Adolf Hitler makes his nationwide broadcast from the famous pleasure Garden. Hey, on this occasion he speaks of Germany's fight for freedom. A fight that he says will go on until that freedom is fully recognized by all. And
0: then the air vibrates, as the dictator leads a hundred thousand in the Nazi salute. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash jihad.